going to be reading from John chapter 15 in a moment. If we needed convincing, which we shouldn't, but if we needed convincing that there is no heaven on earth, the Lord is helping us with that conviction. But heaven is real. Everything that we need in this world comes from a vine. And those are words that come from John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. The words are spoken in the context of what's called the upper room, where Jesus had broken bread and drank the drink with his disciples, explaining to them his death. That is why in the words that I'm about to read, he'll say to them, you're clean. You're already clean. Because he had spoken to them about how he would be washing them with his death. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you and your joy may be full. Praise the Lord for such words. Lord, help us to humble ourselves before you. Thank you for this vine, this covenant keeper. May we be found in him this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wish to emphasize verse 5 this morning where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do some things but not the important things. Or you can do most things but just not enough. You can do nothing. They are words of dependency. And they are helpful words because we are living in days of refinement. In other words, we're living in days where we have tremendous opportunity in the presence of the Lord to be asking the question, who are we? And what are we doing here anyway? Days of refinement. Hebrews 12:11 says this, for the moment, all discipline seems painful. Who likes it? Painful rather than pleasant. 
but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so we're being trained by our circumstances to ask the question, how is it that we can do anything? We are living in days where we have tremendous opportunity to have what the Bible calls dross removed from us. Because Jesus' words are without exception. As I said, he doesn't simply say, you you can't do quite enough, you need my help. (laughs) You can do some things, but you don't do it very well, and so I'll help you along the way. He He says, you can do nothing. And his statement about the vine is one of the great I am statements of his teachings in the book of John, where he makes this claim of himself that I am the vine. And without me, you can do nothing. And without that vital connection, there's nothing that God calls us to do and to be that we can possibly do and be. What is our draws? Dross is our self-sufficiency. Dross is our our sense of pride. Dross is our our reducing the kingdom of God to to things that is within our power, to reducing our own identity to the things that we can do and be. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. And Jesus speaks of destruction in this passage in John 15. He, he speaks of things that because of their disconnection to the vine, not because of their lack of activity, but because of their disconnection to the vine, they're worthless in their activity. And they're simply to be gathered up and tossed and burned like dead branches. And before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Our dross is our pride, our dross is our self-strength, our our dross is our cruise control that has a casual connection to Jesus and yet thinking that eternal things can be accomplished at the same time. Here's the main point that I'd like to get across from this text this morning. It's pastoral in its aim and in its focus from John 15, verse 5 that the circumstances that, that in which we live, which are uh, uh, facing adversity, the circumstances force us to experience our powerlessness. Who likes that? Who likes to feel powerless? Who likes to feel like they can do absolutely nothing? Nobody does. And yet, that's exactly what we're feeling. When it comes to our, our, our understanding of all that God calls us to be, all that God that calls us to be united in, in our affections for one another, our capacities for kindness, we're sensing that we don't have the resources and our powerlessness. And those are a great mercy because they, they bring us to that place of dependency where Jesus says, you have to abide in me. There has to be a sense of of dependency. You can't take this relationship casually with me. 
And that dependency is necessary for all of the things that God requires us of us in the kingdom of God. Nothing that God calls us to, our unity, our love, our forgiveness, our kindness, our faith, our witness, our prayers, our courage, none of those things are available to us in our own strength and in our own wisdom. We need a connection to the vine. Jesus spoke of the, in Matthew chapter 23, he spoke of the, used the metaphor of the blind leading the blind, which is such a vivid image of, of uselessness, of, of foolishness. But the dead leading the dead is, is the same thing. There has to be a, a sense of life in us by our connection to the vine in order that we would be able to be all that God calls us to be. And so refinement is learning to live what we already believe. For the dross to come out and what God has already declared us to be, for us to become those things, and for this so fundamental truth of the Christian life, I am the vine, you are the branches. You bear fruit, but outside of me, you can do nothing. For that fundamental truth in the circumstances that we are in, in life right now, for the fundamentals to, to be pressed down deeper into our sense of our identity, a sense of who are we and how do we do what we are. Something that I've learned over the years is that, uh, that yelling doesn't work. <laughs> you can't just yell louder. Do it! You can't manipulate. You can't trick people. You can't bait people. It doesn't work. I've learned that about myself a long time ago. If you want to make sure I don't do something, yell at me. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Who we are is explained by where we are. Our sense of identity, of, of, of who we are, is being God's children. We are God's beloved. We call God our Father, and we are His beloved. We, we are belonging to Him. We are His children. That is, that is who we are. But who we are is explained by where we are. There's no other way to explain how we can possibly be who we are unless we understand where we are. Where we are is in the vine. That is where we are. We're in the vine. We are abiding in him. We are God's children. That is who we are. But that amazing identity demands the question of not only who are we, but where are we? Where are you? I like to get up early in the morning. The house is quiet. I, it's time alone. And I'm... I'm about an hour before breakfast, just by myself. Sometimes I'll stand in, in the mirror, I like to shave, and I'll take time doing it. Sometimes I'll look in the mirror and I'll, I'll ask myself, where are you, Barry? Where are you? Not just who are you, but where are you? Because the sense of who I am is connected to where am I? If there's a sense of, of disconnect in my own life, and if I sense it in my own paths, in my own character, in my own attitude, 
connected to this question. A disconnect. There's a disconnect of, about where I am. There's a disconnect between me and the vine. See, there can be nothing that is connected to the Father. That, and that's our identity. We are connected to the Father, but there can be nothing pleasing to the Father except that this question be answered, where are you? I'm in the sun. I'm in the vine. Anything that is, that is outside of the sun, anything that is outside of, of that place in Christ where, where Jesus tells us we must be, cannot be pleasing to the Father. Any activity, any busyness. And yet, all that is in the Son can be nothing but pleasing to the Father. Because the Son is pleased, or the Father is pleased with His Son. There's nothing in the Son that the Father is displeased with. And so, tuck in. Those of you that raise children in the prairies, and you know, you're putting a little baby in a bag, <laughs> tuck in. All right, arm, leg, everything tucked in, zipped up. Because anything that is left exposed is going to be vulnerable. Have you ever gone to the beach and you've covered yourself with sunscreen, but you, you missed one little spot behind your ear or on your wrist or on your knee or something like that, thought you were safe the whole time, and you go home and you realize, oh, I missed a spot. Tuck in. There's nothing in our, in our life that can afford to be outside of the sun, of the vine. I love the question, where are you? And Genesis 3 is where God uses it for the first time. When God asks Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? And God doesn't ask the question because God needed to know where Adam was. He asked the question because Adam needed to know where Adam was. Where are you, Adam? Oh, hmm. Adam and Eve were in sin. Adam and Eve were in rebellion. Adam and Eve were in shame. What is a God to do? Perhaps we should start over. That tree didn't work. Maybe we should get a new tree. Let's go back to the garden, get a new tree. Maybe we'll try apricot this time. Now listen to me this time. No, Adam and Eve are experiencing good and evil. And so God's response was to prepare skins with which he closed them that represented the new covenant that would look forward to when there would be a new Adam and there would be a, a covenant keeper instead of a covenant breaker. And the God would take all of the children who would possess faith in that new Adam, in that covenant keeper, and put them into that person. That person is Jesus. He is divine. We bear fruit in him and we can do nothing apart from him. And so now for the Christian who has faith in Christ, that faith means that the answer to the question of where are you 
And this is the answer that I'm looking for when I look at myself in the mirror. Where are you, Barry? I am in Christ. It's where I'm safe and it is where I'm fruitful. I'd like to do a little box theology with you. Box theology has to do with my love of prepositions because I believe the scriptures use them significantly, particularly the preposition of we were in Christ. But religion has its alternatives represented by other prepositions. I hope you know this grade eight grammar. <laughs> There's a box. How do you learn prepositions? You have a box. You're above the box, you're beside the box, you're under the box, or you're in the box. <laughs> a wonderful box theology. Where are you? All of these represent four completely different kinds of religion, different ways of relating to Jesus. One is above the box, a demanding of Jesus where he does what we want him to do. One is beside the box where Jesus is simply a friend, a buddy, so a, casual, a casual acquaintance that we come to when we desire fellowship or when we are in need. One is under the box. And yes, we most certainly are servants of Jesus. The servant is not greater than the master. But our servanthood is the, is the fruit of being in him. We don't gain fellowship with the Father by imitation of Jesus or simply following him as a, as a guide or as a teacher or as a leader. We must by faith be put into Christ. In Christ is where our refuge is. In Christ is where, as Amber read from Hebrews earlier, is where our anchor is when we are in Christ. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 particularly makes this plain. If you were to go through your Bible and, and with a, uh, a pencil or something, just mark the times that Jesus says, we are so blessed by the Father in Christ who has predestined us in Christ, who has lavished all riches on us in Christ, over and over again. Throughout the epistles, the whole concept of the idea of us abiding in the vine is expounded authoritatively by the apostles of being in Christ. There are four different, completely different views of the Father's love here. There is only one place that where we can be where the Bible says that where perfect love casts out fear, that where we have no fear of punishment. And I hope you have that view of the Father, that the love of the Father has cast out all fear of punishment. But you can't have that if you're above Christ, beside Christ, or under Christ. You have to be in Christ. Because what is in the Son, the Father loves. The four different ways of praying. You can understand how our needs that we would go to God with be, would be perceived so very, very differently if you're above, beside, or under, or in. Four completely different understandings of the Holy Spirit, of how we, we look for the, the power of God in our lives. That the Spirit would would constantly help us with this dependency, that the Spirit would constantly help us to see how we are only safe in Jesus and bear fruit in us from there. It is a wonderful and tremendous hope that Jesus is our vine and without him we can do nothing. To live as 
God's children and God's kingdom depends upon this connection to the vine. But what does it look like? How do you know you're connected to the vine? That sense of dependency and abiding in Jesus comes from at least these two things. The first one is there is a principle of life, a fundamentally different disposition from above that we do not have anywhere outside of the vine. The second is that there is a different kind of wisdom that is grasped, that is understood, that appears foolishness to us unless it is from a connection to the vine, unless it is a wisdom that is the fruit of being connected to the vine. We need to live, not just be busy. What a tragedy it would be if we confused busyness with fruitfulness. What a tragedy if it would be if we confused religious activity with a real connection to Jesus. You see, the world is so different. And God's people are so unique. There's, there's no concept of this in the world. In the world, you simply, you have skills, you have abilities, you have training, you have people yelling at you. <laughs> you have authority that says, do this, and you do it. Gathering as God's people is a completely unique entity in who we are called to be and what we are called to do. And it flows from this basic principle that's very easy to understand that there can't be fruit where there is no life. We must be in Christ because he alone is the vine that bears fruit for us or in us, through us. John chapter six, Jesus says this, as the living father sent me, I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. Lots of different metaphors in the scripture just to describe this. This is the bread that came down from heaven not like the bread that your forefathers ate in the wilderness and they died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. 1 John 5 says this, and this is the testimony that God gave us, which is eternal life. And this is life. This life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 52 that I read at the beginning, I'm like a green olive tree in your presence. Lord, make me, make me to thrive, make me to live. The world is, is so full of haughtiness and so full of destruction but I thrive and I grow 
in the presence of the living God. Do you ever ask yourself, what what is spiritual life? Do I have it? There's such need for integrity. I've already today spoken to several people who are, are so discouraged by the things in the world where there's such a disconnect <laughs> with the truth and the untruth, with the way things should be and the way things shouldn't be. There's such a, an absence of integrity in things. And this is where the church has to have integrity. What we do comes from spiritual life. But you ask yourself the question ever, well, what, what actually is spiritual life? Let me explain it using the scripture. This life in the vine that bears fruit is a basic change in us with regards to our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with the world. And both of those can be disconnected on cruise control. That disposition to be changed in our thoughts toward God, I'll use 1 Peter 1.8 to describe it. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. <laughs> That's a great change in the human heart. You've never seen him, but, but you, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's the change in a person's nature, in a person's life uh, towards God. I'll also use words from Peter to describe the change in our relationship horizontally with the world. 1 Peter 4, 2 says this, that, that you live now for the rest of the time in your flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That is a fundamental change in our relationship with the world. We're no longer trying to build heaven on earth. We're no longer trying to leverage everything to, to, to our advantage. We're simply looking in this world to understand the will of God and to obey it. And the breath of life the breath of life is prayer. Where are you? You are in Christ. Do you pray? Yes, but I pray in Christ. That is the breath of life. And when we are in Christ, our needs are revealed to us very, very differently. So when Jesus says, you're in me, abide in me, ask whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. It'll be my joy to give it to you. But when we are in Christ, this is how we understand our needs and this is how, how we pray. 
Lord, would you heal my mind? Lord, would you heal my heart? Would you give me faith? Would you give me the ability to forgive? Would you help me to be merciful as my heavenly Father is merciful? Would you help me to love? Would you give me joy? Would you give me patience? (laughs) Because we know the kind of fruit that we are to bear, and so that's how we pray, is what we ask God for. It's the only way that, that good fruit can be born. It's with that principle of life. And there, there's, actually, there's actually two kinds of fruit. And so I'm specifically referencing good fruit, which is what Jesus requires. But that the death in us, the flesh, also has fruit. Galatians 5 describes it very, very plainly. But the fruit of the flesh is. And then there's good fruit, Paul says in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. The second one is wisdom. Only abiding in the vine can we know the wisdom of the kingdom. And for God's commandments to us to be a joy. This is a huge challenge for our life and for our fruitfulness. (laughs) Because we feel so justified sometimes in our attitudes and the way that we talk and the way that we live and, and in our relationships. And what justifies us is our own wisdom. But connected to the vine is a completely different kind of wisdom. And I'll close with this. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 6. Because this is a description of the wisdom of the kingdom. Where Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Can you do that on your own? I can't. Does that make you feel helpless? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for such a vine.
Thank you that in our sense of powerlessness, in a kingdom that is so full of righteousness, that we have a vine. Help us to see that even in our weakness, you are glorified through our dependency upon you. So Lord, help us not to falter. Help us to always be able to locate ourselves in a place where we are safe and in the place where we can have the prospect of fruitfulness. We give ourselves to you gladly. In Jesus' name and the power of the Spirit, amen. Let's sing together.